we are all different in every way we don't have the same facial appearance our bodily aromas are also different different voices and these little fingerprints are different for all of us but in this matter we are all one from the moment we were born we are incessantly in search of happiness did anybody teach us to seek happiness like we were taught by parents by teacher by guru my child you should speak the truth you should not steal others properties did somebody teach us my child you must seek happiness this instruction was never Of course all of us have different decisions regarding where happiness lies. Mahesh thinks he will get it from corporate boardrooms and Dinesh thinks he will get it by political positions and power and prestige and Meena thinks she can find happiness in relationships and Veena thinks that PhD degree will give her happiness. Everything we are doing is for the sake of that one happiness yet happiness is also like that rainbow in the horizon we keep on running after it but it seems to keep on receding away and that is why we need to apply ourselves to understand what are the tools and techniques for a happier life Let's forget the entire world and focus our thoughts on the science of happiness. Happiness is such a beautiful emotion. It moistens your heart with positivity, optimism, and hope. Happy people naturally feel fulfilled with their lives and satisfied at work. So often the sense of happiness escalates to a feeling of gratitude, counting the blessings you have received and that creates an experience of euphoria in the heart. Without happiness even victory is not sweet. You may surround yourself with the most opulent luxuries and treasures of the world but it doesn't fill the void inside. And even success doesn't provide delight. Thereby happiness is like the one before all the zeros which by its presence adds value to everything and by its absence nullifies the value of everything in life yet happiness is also like that rainbow in the horizon we keep on running after it but it seems to keep on receding away 
since when have we been searching for happiness from the moment we were born the first thing we did when we emerged in this world was to let out a slogan give me happiness it was not a slogan in words because we did not know words when we were born but the very first intuitive impulse of us was to cry but why did we cry when we were born because the process of birth pained us and by crying we expressed our innate nature i did not come into this world for misery i came for happiness and from that day till today we are incessantly in search of happiness of course all of us have different decisions regarding where happiness lies mahesh thinks he will get it from corporate boardrooms and dinesh thinks he will get it by political positions and power and prestige and meena thinks she can find happiness in relationships and beena thinks that phd degree will give her happiness why do you want a phd degree it will help me get a good job why do you want a good job it will help me get money why do you want money it will help me procure the things of the world what kind of things do you want things to see to touch to smell to hear and to taste so again ask why do you want these five kinds of objects why do you wish to see movies why do you wish to eat delightful food it will give me happiness pleasure joy delight bliss now you go and ask the series of questions to anyone in any country of the world this chain will end at one word happiness aristotle the greek philosopher he understood this principle when he wrote in his book the nicomachean ethics he said we seek honor wealth and prestige because they bring us happiness but we seek happiness for itself and never with a view for anything further 2500 years before him there was a philosopher in india called ved vyas who had already stated sarvesham api bhutanam ripasvatmaiva vallabha itare patya vittadyas tadvallabhatayaivahi he says everything we are doing is for the sake of that one happiness the search for happiness is not of one lifetime the vedic philosophy is of eternity so since eternity we are searching for happiness and we must now strive to bring it to consummation step by step by step and that is why we need to apply ourselves to understand 
what are the tools and techniques for a happier life so we will start at the starting what are the benefits of trying to be happy let's inspire ourselves why should we want to be happier people well nowadays scientists psychologists have realized so many benefits there's a whole industry created around happiness so nowadays they have you know happy hours in hotels happy hours in restaurants and even chief happiness officers in organizations whose job is to make people happier so scientists have understood that happier people have healthier hearts their hearts are just more robust and their personality is more resilient which means when stress comes they can bear with it better what an important virtue to have you don't crumble in the face of difficulties but stand up to it if you are a happier person in fact happiness also boosts your immunity tests were done by scientists called sorota and his company they would give pathogens in a pill to people and then check their immunity response via the saliva a little while later and they would also give them a questionnaire to fill up to judge how happy they were on that day so the same person was given the test on multiple days now 500 people were tested like this on multiple occasions and amazingly it was found the day people were happier their immunity response was better so when happiness makes you healthier does it mean that happier people live longer lives it does one test was carried out in this regard at there's a monastery for ladies called the school sisters of notre dame where ladies join to become nuns now those ladies in the monastery and who were born before the year 1917 their records they they used to maintain daily autobiographical journals and some researchers were given access to those after they had passed away and what they discovered was that based on the autobiographical journals they could then judge how happy that individual was and how long that lady lived the nun they discovered that the happiest quartile of nuns 90% of them crossed the age of 85 and the unhappiest quartile of nuns only 34% of them lived beyond the age of 85 so if it is your aspiration to 
increase your lifespan expectancy naturally you eat the right things but also learn the secrets of being a happier person so this gives rise to one question that supposing now we become happier will it increase our life still actually it will there is one maverick psychologist called ellen langer and she conducted this experiment in 1979 interesting experiment she paid people to come for the retreat only those people see if you participate in swamiji's retreat you have to at least pay the hotel charges right but she was paying people to come the condition was that only 75 year olds would be allowed and they would not bring anything with them no magazines nothing and when they came to the retreat center the environment was created of 1959 20 years ago so the magazines were of eisenhower the newspaper was of the current events at that time all to make those 75 year olds feel as if they are 20 years in the past when they were 55 years old so their psyche was i am a 55 year old and 3 weeks at the retreat center at the end of it it was discovered that on all health parameters of aging their age had reversed whether it was the hand grip it had just become 10% stronger or it was the short term memory or it was the eyesight in everything they had started becoming younger just because they were feeling younger so this is the impact of mind over matter and that is what the placebo effect is based upon you know what is a placebo if you give a blank pill to somebody the doctor says you know this is the latest drug created by this big pharma house it's been tested on 10000 people and it's been shown to work every time and saying that the doctor gives a blank pill the patient doesn't know the patient thinks i am getting the medicine so how much do you think would be the effectivity of such a blank pill you say how can a blank pill work otherwise what is the need of medicine well you check it out the world records in such tests worldwide have shown again and again and again that if any medicine is 100% effective the placebo is 55% effective means the person is thinking i am getting cured and to 55% the person does get cured Baylor Medical Center in Dallas has conducted tests on the arthroscopic knee surgery. Arthroscopic knee surgery is one where they do three small incisions. It's a laparoscopic process and they insert their instruments. 
and through those instruments they see the knee so they don't have to cut up the whole knee and once the knee is examined then they have three options either they scrape the knee clean or they use jets to clean it or else they do nothing and just stitch up the incisions so this study which was done in dallas itself those patients for whom they did nothing after the surgery they were told oh my god we did a tremendous job of cleaning up on your knee and you will start getting all right now so scientifically validated that within the space of 2 years their knee condition had recovered to a very large extent because their mind was telling them my knee should now be functioning all right you may say that swamiji this kind of placebo effect is more like a hocus pocus you give a blank pill and it works well one scientist called marcel kinsborn of new york created the expectancy theory and this scientist he said what happens is when you are expecting a result your mind causes the brain to fire the neurons in consonance with your expectations so if you are expecting i should be getting all right i should be getting all right then those neurons are getting fired which are curing you and that is how the placebo works in this world so the biggest confirmation of the placebo that i found was the reverse placebo what is the reverse placebo in placebo you have given a blank pill but the person is thinking i've got the medicine reverse placebo you are gi- telling the patient i'm giving you poison but actually you're giving nothing the patient is thinking oh my god i'm getting poison this experiment was not allowed by the fda of usa it was done in japan students were told that you know poison iv is such a terrible thing we will give it to you you will blindfold you and put it on your upper arm so poison iv was not put just ordinary paste was put but the students thought oh my god i should be now getting irritation i should be getting an allergic reaction and in 6 out of 10 cases that reverse placebo actually worked it was nothing and they were thinking it was giving them poisonous effects but an even bigger confirmation of this is the nocebo so we now know what is the placebo and the reverse placebo and what is the nocebo nocebo means you give the medicine to the patient but don't tell the patient i have given you a medicine now the patient is actually getting the cure but doesn't know it so this experiment was done in thoracic surgery so thoracic surgery is a major operation and when the patient comes out of that unconscious state 
and the effect of the painkiller subsides then there's a tremendous pain so that is then shut out by giving the patient morphine so some of the patients they are told that look we are adding morphine to your intravenous iv and you will be all right and they become all right and the other patients are given the morphine but not told that they are getting it and many of the cases it doesn't work because they don't know that they are getting this morphine so in each of these cases what we are experiencing is the tremendous power of the mind over the body so what this highlights is people think if i can become healthy then i'll become happy so let me become healthy and then happiness will be mine but i am telling you the reverse if you can become happy you will naturally become healthier make sense so the final illustration in this regard then we'll move ahead Dr Alia Kram of Stanford she combined she is the principal researcher of their mind body lab i just came across her talk and she combined with Ellen Langer whom we met a little while ago maverick psychologist and they did a maverick experiment in 17 hotels they would go and tell the hotel maids that look exercising is so important for health nowadays scientists realize that sitting is the new smoking if you are just doing sedentary work and not getting up not getting exercise it's like smoking so the maids would say yeah my god that's true then these two researchers would say do you do any exercise in the day and the maids would say where madam we don't get any time we are so busy so they would take half the maids and they would show them how all the exercise they were getting through their household work all the mopping and the sweeping and the vacuuming and lifting of laundry etc it was a complete full body exercise so those maids realized wow i am getting so much of exercise now they checked their physicals after 3 months the half who realized that they're getting so much of exercise in their professional work their health started improving their waist became trimmer their body mass index improved their cholesterol went down etc etc and the other just remained as they were it was again a case of the mind impacting the body and this is true not only for health it is also true in your profession 